Welcome everyone to episode 170 of the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you for joining myself and Tierra for what is going to be a bit of a recap on our past month since it's been a while since our last more personal update. So I'll let Tierra kick this episode off. Um, it's been quite a busy month for her. Yeah, busy month, but boy, a productive month. But I think, yeah, the last time we gave a life update was about four weeks ago. And during that time, I feel as though I've done a bit of a Jack Radford Smith from a build to a mini cut and back again. So last time that we touched base with everyone regarding just what's going on in the life of TBD, I believe I spoke about how I was just entering into a dieting phase at that time. And lo and behold, checking in four weeks later and that dieting phase is now concluded. So mission accomplished. So I actually started off on the 5th of November with my mini cut and wrapped that up on the 6th of December. So it was about one month long. Dieted down from 69 kilograms down to 65.1 kilograms. And I just have to say, Jack, I think this was like the breeziest, most successful, just enjoyable dieting experience that I've ever had in my life so far. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, do you think it's correlated with uh, experience? I think it's definitely correlated with experience, just learning my body over time, learning methods over time, and also just accepting that, okay, if I want to get a job done in an efficient manner, and I know that I have a pretty damn adaptive metabolism, I just have to be aggressive from the get-go, just drop my calories and the results, they're very motivating, you know, actually seeing like decent drops every single week and just staying on top of it too. You know, like if I hold myself to, okay, I want to be losing at least 1% of my body weight per week, which, you know, me now at 65 kilograms, that's just over 600 grams on average per week. If it's only 400 grams on average per week, and I know that I'm not missing a beat and I'm nailing everything to a T, I just have to be like, well, that's that. I just need to diet on a little bit less calories. So just being a bit more proactive in that sense. Mm. Yeah, I think like you did share some information about your cut on your story and there were people commenting about how drastic it was and potentially them not being able to diet on such low macros and stuff like that. It wasn't even that low, man. Like the final week, I just did one final week of pushing on 1500 calories. But prior to this dieting phase, like I was maintaining my weight on like 2,400, 2,500 calories per day, depending on whether it was a training day or a rest day. And then just right out of the gates, I just dropped that down to 1700 calories on training days, 1600 calories on rest days. And then as the four and a half weeks progressed, like that very first week got a very solid drop as you generally do, especially if you're quite aggressive from the get go, just in terms of like food volume, glycogen stores, etc. obviously calories. But in that first week alone, my weight dropped by 1.8 kilograms. <laughs> but of course, a lot of that is not necessarily tissue weight. It's more like artificial from just dropping your calories and your food bulk. Even my dietary fiber, like prior, my fiber intake was closer to like 85 to 90 grams every single day. During this cut, it just dropped down to closer to like 45 to 50 grams every single day. So dietary fiber alone, that would play a huge role. Just cutting out a few serves of fruit and veg while still hitting my targets, of course. But 
as that kept just dropping, like I was just on top of it because I just know my body by now. And it's just a case of, I just have a very adaptive metabolism. So if I do your standard, you know, perfect math where I'm like, okay, my maintenance is 2,500 calories and I want to put myself into an energy deficit. I'm going to drop down to 2000 calories every single day. Like my body's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and it will just adapt. Like that very first week alone, my resting heart rate during the day dropped by 10 beats per minute. It went down from like 57 beats per minute down to 47 beats per minute. And then during sleep, my resting heart rate was usually 48 beats per minute. My, it then went down to 38 beats per minute. So that's completely outside of my control. My heart is just beating less beats every single minute of every hour of every single day. That compounds over the days and the weeks to be quite a few hundred calories, right? Mm. Yeah, it does. And I think most people would be in a similar situation to that, mm. like, because although you're dropping on paper by 500, like realistically, it's not a 500 calorie deficit because mm. of that adaptation and because of like other adaptations as well, like someone's mm -hmm. uh, neat. Yeah, exactly right. Plus, considering that I wanted to be losing closer to 1% of my body weight per week, you generally have to drop closer to a thousand calories below your maintenance each day. So that's why during that final week, I just pushed down to 1500 and Honestly, my mindset was in the realm of if it's going to suck anyway, why not make it suck that extra 10% and actually get a good result? <laughs> mm. You know, like dieting and restricting your energy intake. Like I think most people can say like, yeah, that kind of sucks, but like, want to just suck it up, you know, push that little bit harder. And then the results are very motivating and actually seeing decent drops each week was super motivating. And Compared to my previous mini cut I did at the beginning of the year, which actually I wouldn't call that a mini cut. That was 10 weeks long. But during that phase, I dropped from 70 kilograms down to 64 kilograms. That took me 10 weeks to lose six kilograms. And at that time, like I dropped my starting macros, I dropped down to like 225 carb, 40 fat, like 140 protein, somewhere in that realm. But this time I was just like, no, I'm just going to drop basically like a, I ended up on 160 grams of carbs, 35 fat and 140 protein at the very end. So yeah, it, um, it just really, really pays off. And it was just really good to be honest. It was, it was nice. And I got four kilograms off my frame in more than half the time. Mm. Yeah. So super duper efficient. And I think I was just very level-headed this time, especially coming off the back end of season B and just seeing how hard like all the girls on our team pushed and everything. I'm just like, I can do this too. <laughs> um, and I think just over this past year, I've just been working a hell of a lot just on my mindset and I just didn't make a big deal out of it. You know, I just got myself onto a solid meal plan and I just rolled with it and I just executed and I just got the result, which was yeah, really, really motivating. And it felt damn good to just knuckle down and achieve something I wanted. Yeah. And I, you raised meal plan there. Like, I think this is the first time you've sort of adhered probably to a 
structured meal plan for the entirety of a deficit. Mm, yeah, I basically just kept everything the same for the most part. There were a few tiny changes. You use the word adhere there. <laughs> I've always adhered to, to meal plans. Um, I've always adhered to my nutrition. But I think in the past, like I would kind of change more things a little bit mm. more frequently. Well, yeah, it wasn't a traditional meal plan in the past. It was more mm. so of kind of just calorie tracking but you would just change things up more frequently yeah yeah so fairly similar meals across the board but like i might change cream of wheat for oats or i might change different fruit sources different vegetable sources etc this time around you also kept your food choices a lot more basic as well mm. like you didn't have any what was it like iced coffee things <laughs> you didn't have much because I know before you used to use a lot of that like essence of mint and stuff like yeah yeah or in the past like between meals I would just blend a bunch of ice with like some decaf coffee grounds to like mm. have some sort of iced coffee yeah I just didn't partake in that at all this time um one because like I just really now appreciate feeling so comfortable in my waistline all the time. Like I, I work very hard for my body and, you know, especially when you're in a dieting phase, you want to feel confident and comfortable in your own body. You don't want to feel like, you know, oh, my limbs look awesome, but like, I just have a bit of a pouch <laughs> and that's simply because I've just filled myself up with a lot of voluminous food sources that don't even really have calories in them. So yeah, I don't really gravitate toward those things at all anymore. Like yeah your your decaf iced coffees i've never been a jelly person luckily even growing up as a kid i never liked jelly or jello so that's something i've never had before but yeah it was it was good so basically like my meal plan um for breakfast i had an egg white omelet so just some powdered egg whites and i just put so if people follow this they'll get the same results <laughs> No, but I, you're likely to be in an energy deficit. I'll say that. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the morning, I would just have like an egg white, which was some egg white powder. And then I would just put some spices on there, like salt, pepper, chili flakes, some smoky paprika, a little bit of salsa and like just some shredded cheese, like 15 grams. And then I just make some cream of wheat as well, which was like 100 grams of wholemeal flour, 10 grams of raw cocoa, sprinkle in some cinnamon, um, put in a tiny bit of protein powder in there. And then on the side, I would just either have like a grapefruit or like an orange. And then for lunch, which was my meal too, like breakfast is my pre-workout meal and then lunch is my post-workout meal. I just have 100 grams of oats cooked with 10 grams of chia seeds and some water. And then I would just make some nice cream, which was generally just blended pineapple with like 30 grams of WPI protein. And then for my next meal, which was around 3.30 in the afternoon, I would just have, I would argue a pathetic amount of popcorn, like popcorn kernels. You put these like 20 grams of popcorn kernels, you put that in your hand and you're like, this is just sad. Mm. <laughs> but once you put it in the popcorn machine, it pops up decently. You have a little bowl. So I just have like 20 grams of popcorn kernels 10 grams of almonds and then i'd have a 30 gram scoop of casein protein powder and just some frozen strawberries and then for dinner i would just make a vegetable stir fry with some meat so alternating between like some chicken breast or some kangaroo depending on if kangaroo was available at the store and then i just have like green beans tomatoes carrots in there some mushrooms 
I supplement with my omega threes at dinner time too, for like a little bit of an extra fat source as well. But boy, I just, I just rolled with that, like for the whole four and a half weeks. And I love it. And honestly, just being on a set plan like that, it makes your food focus so low, which like, I wasn't even really hungry at all. Like, and I really wasn't thinking about food because I was always distracted between meals, like between meal one and two, I'd just go to the gym with you. And then between meal two and three, jam packed with work. And then between meal three and four, again, more work, you and I would go for a walk with the dogs. And then after dinner, you just brush your teeth. I just stretch at night and that's like, cool, it's done for the day. So just kind of repeat. And um, yeah, it was just, it was so seamless. It wasn't effortless. Cause obviously I put in a lot of effort, but it almost felt effortless. Cause I just, mm. I just had a plan. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if there are three main takeaways that you think other people could draw from your recent dieting experience that might help them, what do you think that would be? Hmm. Well, one would be to have a set plan. I'm just a really big believer in just having a set plan that foods that you enjoy, foods that nourish you, foods that satiate you, foods that you digest well, choose those and then fricking lock it in, you know? And then you don't have to think about it. You don't have to be sitting in your kitchen, like on my fitness pal being like, mm, should I have this or that? Because that equals this and that equals that. Like you don't have to play any sort of macro Tetris or anything. And that, that way as well, like all of your attention during the day can be focused on what actually matters. The food doesn't actually matter. Mm. <laughs> Provided that again, you're meeting your nutrient targets and you're in an energy deficit. But like what matters is your career. What matters is your training performance. What matters is obviously the communication that you're having with others throughout the day. That's what actually matters. <laughs> so I think just having a set plan from the get-go that's basically guaranteed the results and then you truly know that if you hit a weight plateau or your weight loss slows down it's a case of like no there's there's no errors in my plan it's not like i've miscalculated calories or this had more food volume than that or this had more sodium than that like it's a case of no just hit a plateau and you just navigate that that's exactly what i did like when i dropped from 1700 to 1600 to 1500 I just took my exact same meal plan, but I just slightly tweaked it. Like I would just reduce my flour from 100 grams down to 90, or I would reduce my oats from 100 grams down to 90. I'd swap a big grapefruit for a tiny little orange, like those tiny little things throughout the day. So it was basically the exact same, but the smallest little tweaks, you hardly even noticed anything's changed. So that would be the number one. Also, I think the number two would be if you recognize from past dieting phases that you have a pretty adaptive metabolism, you just have to accept that and just get yourself into a proper energy deficit from the very start. Because sure, you might feel the pinch a little bit. Like I felt the pinch initially that very first week. And I think I reported that too. When mm. I was saying to you, I was like, how long did your honeymoon phase last for? Cause I felt mine was like two or three days. That was probably, that was literally just me kind of just feeling that initial, just like pinch of like, this is getting a bit spicy. And I think a huge thing with that probably had to do with my heart rate because like dropping by 10 beats per minute, obviously I just felt just quite a bit more tired, a little bit more slow. My body was really starting to conserve energy rather than feeling I was bouncing around all the time. So once I got through that initial hump, the next three and a half weeks, just very, very breezy. Mm. Yeah, I think that's two points. 
Well, what do you think people should do in a deficit if they get like hungry and tired? Because I think, I know it's easy for a, a bodybuilder. I guess most of our listeners are bodybuilders, but mm. is that just an instance to like, they kind of should know what they're getting themselves into with weight loss or? Yeah, a few things there. I think one, accepting from the get-go that if you're going in into an energy deficit and you're dieting, you're in an energy deficit. So that means you're not, you can't expect to have ample amounts of energy. So it's important to just accept that from the start. Also just embrace it, you know? Sometimes like if you feel a little bit tired at the end of the day or like you're feeling a little bit hungry, one, it's probably almost time to eat anyway, or it's probably almost time to fall asleep anyway, <laughs> especially mm. just feeling exhausted at the end of the day, but also be like, cool, the plan's working. Cause I would almost be concerned if someone was in an aggressive dieting phase and they felt on top of the world. And I'm not just saying like, they, they are saying, oh, I feel amazing. Like they genuinely feel amazing. <laughs> like. You, so you didn't feel amazing. I felt awesome, but like I definitely felt more energetic. <laughs> but like, just be like, cool, it's it's working. And again, like if I would almost be concerned if like, and that would almost be demotivating too. If you're like, man, I'm, I'm never feeling like I'm hungry. I feel like I'm full of beans, but at the same time, like I'm not losing weight. <laughs> so like almost like actually seeing the scale drop, it's very motivating. Mm. Um, that's another thing too. And then I think that the next thing would be if you are feeling quite low energy at certain points of the day or quite hungry, like just recognize what time of the day that is. And also like just be strategic with how you plan your day. So I'm a big advocate for front loading calories. And I actually posted this up on my Instagram page because like at the tail end there, when I was consuming like 160 grams of carbs per day, Maintaining my training performance is so goddamn important to me because like I work so hard during my improvement season and just obviously when I'm in building phases and maintenance phases and dieting phases to build and to retain as much muscle mass as possible so that that is a top priority to me to maintain or keep progressing with my training performance. So because you and I train in the morning, I front loaded a hell of a lot of my calories and carbohydrates in the morning. So if I was eating 160 grams per day, my breakfast had 70 grams of carbs in it. My lunch had 60 grams of carbs. And then I just sucked it up for the rest of the day. And I had 15 grams at meal three and then 15 grams at dinner. Like, But that way I still felt like an absolute beast in the gym, my energy never dipped. I actually just kept improving all of my lower body compounds during uh, this dieting phase and like upper body either slightly progressed or just maintained, which was really, really good. But because I know that the early hours of the day demands so much from me physically, that's where I'm just like, well, obviously I'm just gonna allocate more calories to those times. And then during the later afternoon when I'm just on all of my work calls, I'm sitting down, I'm relaxed, I'm like, sweet. You know, like I've got that glycogen in me from before, but like, yeah, I can get by with 15 grams of carbs from popcorn and <laughs> strawberries <laughs> mm. <laughs> or like a few green beans and carrots or whatever it may be. So yeah, just like, just identify the times of day that demand the most from you and um, put your calories there. You know, like if you've got a really like active job and you're training during the day and you're, you know, your work is very just labor intensive, don't hoard all of your calories for the end of the day and then be an absolute miserable zombie during the day. Like 
actually eat your food during the day, you'll probably end up being in a slightly larger deficit anyway, because if you eat more calories, you generally burn a little bit more calories. And then at nighttime, again, just make yourself some sort of stir fry with a bunch of like low carb vegetables and then brush your teeth and fall asleep. It's easy when you put it like that. <laughs> I try my best. <laughs> but no, this was, um, I, I just, yeah, I am super happy, you know, set out to achieve something and I did it. And that's always very satisfying. And again, I think this dieting phase was just one of the most unique ones I've ever been through in my life because I started off in a position where I didn't feel uncomfortable in my own body. Like I actually had great body positivity. I felt really strong. My clothes fit really well. And it was just really nice to every single day, every single week, like I just progressively kept feeling more and more and more confident. So that was really nice for me too. And it's something that taking into future dieting phases again, like I kind of always want to feel like that because last time starting off at 70 kilograms, I, ooh, I was like, man, my, uh, my active wear, it's starting to fit a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like when you have your, like your shorts and your crop top and you get that little bit of skin that's like popping in the middle, you're like, ooh, <laughs> like wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be the end of the world if this disappeared. Um, and then at the very end when I was 64, like I just felt like an absolute crumb bum, probably cause I'd been dieting for 10 weeks. Like my sleep was just absolute crap. That's another thing. Like my sleep was so good, I, which is just was just a godsend. And I think that had a positive impact on absolutely everything. But again, this time I caught myself early. I was like, I'm going to start a dieting phase when I actually feel decent. And I'm actually going to end it before I start feeling like a crumb bum. So 69 to 65, hoo-ha, feeling really, really good. Um, and then I had a consult with Joey this past week where we took some skin folds and just talked about a game plan moving into 2023. And pretty cool like compared to last time i was i ended at 64 kilograms and i was when we checked in that day I was 65.3 my skin folds were actually lower across all sites and i'm 1.3 kilograms heavier which is very very cool so essentially for the rest of this year like i want to maintain in these 65s which i think is totally reasonable and just kind of solidify this keep inching my calories up and then throughout 2023, enter into another slow and progressive building phase, can definitely afford to get back up to 69 kilograms again with even better body composition next time. And then do a pre-prep phase, get myself back down to around this position. Should it again only take about another month of dieting to get down to around 65 kilograms or so. And then go through another maintenance phase, get my calories a little bit back up, solidify that weight and then start prep at around that 20 week out mark, which is really nice. Like um, Joey totally agreed that like, I think it's gonna be reasonable to start prep 20 weeks out from my first show rather than doing 25 because I just don't have as much weight to lose. And I think that's what's really taken a toll on me in the past is like those really chronic dieting phases. I think if, if I'm aiming for a stage weight of, let's say 59 kilograms, I start in the realm of 65 or 66 kilograms, 25 weeks to diet that off. It's just, it would just be overkill. Yeah. It's a long time. Mm, yeah. More than you need. Yeah. So yeah, I'm feeling really freaking good, man. Huh. So, um, but that's enough of me yaffering on Jack. I want to know how have you been over these past four weeks? Yeah, so nothing as exciting as you, just uh, continuing to 
the uni calorie surplus. I'm currently just wrapped up week five of this training block. So I've got probably another one to two weeks left and things have been honestly very good. Like I'm around 92 and a half kilos at the moment, which is close to being a kind of all time high body weight for me. And composition at this spot is still relatively decent. Like I would say my, just my appetite is getting more affected than my actual body comp is getting negative. There have been a few days where Jack has consumed two shakes. Mm. <laughs> two shakes out of four meals, indeed. <laughs> and there were, literally were days where, because we, we use the same fruity, uh, mm. Jack to make his shakes, me to make my ice cream, where Jack was like, I need the blender. And I'm like, that's a good joke. <laughs> I need to blend my 100 grams of strawberries, mate. You're not blending your... Because, <laughs> like, I think that we calculated that, like, some of your meals were literally the equivalent calories of, like, my whole day's worth of eating. <laughs> Just in a shake. And I'm like, either you can wait or you can eat a whole meal. <laughs> mm. Well, I did try and use the Nutribullet, but it didn't fit in the Nutribullet. <laughs> it's too much food. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably the most tough thing. And... I've still got about probably at, at the very least, I would say three months to go in this, in this building phase, mm. which yeah, overall is, is going really well, uh, reaching some all time strength goals. And as I think I discussed last time, I've been prioritizing my chest a lot more in, in the upper body side of things. And yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a shift because I was just so used to pressing with an anterior delt emphasis that's. I've just had to scale back a lot of the pressing that I'm doing and then just started rebuilding from the ground up. But now that it's week four, it's starting to feel a lot more natural now. And um, I've already seen some slight growth and which I think is realistic in, in four weeks for me because um, it's I kind of started doing things correctly, so to speak. Mm. And so you're a bit of a experience, some newbie gains in your chest. Mm. Even just upon like when I'm warming up and I'll do some like palpation, like some self massage, like mm. I'll kind of feel it in, when I do that as well, which is nice. What about DOMS? Like, did you ever used to experience chest DOMS and now like after your upper body workouts, you're like, whew, like I know I trained. I don't know. It's, it's kind of chest DOMS and anterior delt DOMS are kind of in the same area. They're kind of in that acromion region <laughs> in the anterior <laughs> mm, in the anterior of your body yes so yeah they kind of but yes i do i'm getting some mm. which is nice i know when when i get chest doms it's definitely like yes it's in the anterior part of my body but like it's it's not near my uh, anterior delt it's more like much more inner chest it's still kind of just below my clavicle but like a lot closer to my sternum like that's where i usually feel chest mm. doms probably just from dips yeah i'm not on that level yet mm, okay but we know that doms isn't the be all and end all yeah it's not but like i still think that if you're training hard consistently like you should somewhat have that biofeedback that like you did a training session for those muscle groups the next day like mm. you you know that like you feel a little bit tender or it's not the case of like you could do the exact same thing 24 hours later but again, that, that would just be good feedback for you, wouldn't it? Like, but it, it would correlate too with why just when you're hitting like, you know, front lat spreads and now like your chest just looks that bit bigger. Mm. I think the more muscle I gain there, the easier it'll be to use the chest. Mm. 
So like that's it's just going to keep getting easier. Come twenty twenty four, you'll have to be uh, posting reels, doing peck dances. Mm. Well, I mean, I can already do a peck dance. So. <laughs> oh well, Instagram needs to see it, or it's not true. <laughs> but yeah, how good? Like obviously, there's all of the investment that you've put into your back, and of course, you're still developing it. But like, it's not your weak point anymore. Like after a solid year and a half, like your back is now like it's strong well like obviously physically it's strong but like it's uh it's almost borderline a strength for you now mm. i mean i wouldn't say that but i would say that my pulling strength is probably some of my more impressive lifts mm. compared to my pressing compared to my uh like quad based pushing as mm. well so that's that's nice well it's developed a hell of a lot and considering like you've got another about a year and a half before you start prep for 2024 if you can apply that same thing to your chest that you've done the last mm. year and a half to your back, again, peck dances for days. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the incentive I need. <laughs> so, where, so where else are you at in terms of your training? Because I think last time we spoke, you actually hadn't quite started doing uh, the Smith Machine squats yet. Yeah, so the Smith Machine squats are a recent addition, um, which I do at Riggs. Uh, they've got the Cybex Smith there, which is like a... A vertical smith so it's perfect for smith squats and that's been going well like it's nice i will be honest because it's a little bit more comparable in terms of other lifts like before i was using the true squat and like i was doing 70 kilos i don't really have any way to reference at 70 kilos and the competitive part of me likes to know okay what are other people doing for that movement how strong am i compared to them mm. And I want to try and be stronger than them, of course. So that's easier to do on the Smith squat, which I've been surprising myself at. Like I, I think I'll get to four plates aside um, before the end of next block. Mm. Um, if like fingers crossed that like I don't get any injuries between now and then. But so far that's been relatively good as well on that front. Well, when you compare that lift then to other people, who else is doing near four plates per side on the Smith squat? Well, AJ's doing five. Okay, so yes, you still got someone to chase. <laughs> mm. I think, I mean, I'm sure Lawrence will listen to this. I think he's doing four. Could be wrong in that. <laughs> Jack's almost caught you. <laughs> what about Steve Hall? He, he, he goes through stints of doing Smith mm. squats. I'm not sure, actually. Mm. He definitely milks out the eccentric and he does quite a lot of pauses as mm. well. So I personally don't think it's necessary for me to mm. do that, but... Yeah, it's, that's interesting that you brought that up, though, that it's obviously the competitor in you is like, I want to be stronger than that guy on the Smith squat. I think that's obviously a blessing and a curse. If anything, I'm almost kind of enjoying training at rigs with some of the new unique equipment because, one, I've never really compared myself to other people anyway, but I've always compared myself to myself. <laughs> but like actually now, like programming things like the true squat, using that roger power squat for my bulgarians and for some squats and everything like that it's almost a little bit refreshing for me too because mm. i've i've been able to in a sense kind of just like kind of just have a completely new baseline in terms of like strength for that movement i'm not chasing myself not chasing anybody else but like i'm just really being able to just properly progress without letting the numbers get to my head I'm just like, how freaking tough is this? And how is my physique responding in accordance to me programming this exercise too? Mm. Yeah, I think it depends how you use that information. Like, for example, I've given 
it's a very common piece of feedback to my clients that I say, or they mention someone else doing a particular lift and I say, hey, probably don't compare yourself mm. to them. But then here I am comparing myself to other people. Yeah. But I use that in a positive manner. Like I don't, I'm not complaining that AJ's lifting more than me. Yeah. I'm just using that as if AJ can lift five plates aside, then means that I can as yeah, well. Yeah, it shows that it's it's totally possible. Mm. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, I guess there's there's just always that fine line, right, with chasing weights. Because it's like, oh, she can hip thrust 200 kilograms. <laughs> or like, she can shoulder press the 25s. I'm going to do that. Like, you sometimes, sometimes generally really end up compromising your form and then it's just that it's like having to bite that bit of an ego hit in terms mm. of like oh but i technically moved the weight from a to b but it didn't look all that good and then it kind of stings when you really do have to pull it back by like upwards of 50 kilograms or something like that mm. um so it was it's interesting because sometimes people raise that question where they're like I don't get it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm way stronger than this guy, but he's like twice as jacked as me. <laughs> Obviously we know there's a hell of a lot of different ways to grow muscle mass, but it's usually the case that if someone is lifting a weight that it's like, eh, yeah, like that's, it's a decent weight in some cases. Sometimes you see people lifting, like, you know, they're doing RDLs with like the three kilogram dumbbells and they've got like really jacked hamstrings and glutes. And you're like, what, mm. <laughs> what is going on in this bikini girls program? Like I, I can't put two and two together that it's just not adding up. But something is interesting is that at least people who generally tend to lift lighter weights is that they do have really, really good execution. So it's very rare for you to see someone who's jacked, who's lifting very light weights with terrible execution. Like that is something you'll generally never see because you're like, obviously that makes sense. You know, like they're- You don't usually see someone who's jacked lifting light weights in general though. No, you do. I think especially in the enhanced realm. Yeah, but that's obviously a different story. <laughs> Enhanced realm, but yeah, some even some even some yeah, natural sure, competitors some. too. I think le it's less common in males, mm. I would say. Yeah, but there are some. There's definitely some females. And I think what what you'll find is that maybe in that particular exercise they might be not lifting that much, but there might be one particular exercise. Mm. For example, they might have a ridiculously strong hip thrust, but they're RDLing like the ten kilo dumbbells. Mm. That's true. Or especially with females, sometimes it can uh, be a little bit misleading too, just based on how people's body fat is distributed. Because you might see a girl and it's like, she's got a humongous butt, right? And you just assume that because her butt's big and because she's wearing some, you know, some nice looking tights, that's like all muscle. But it's like, but I don't get it. You know, like she's hip thrusting a 10 kilogram dumbbell. <laughs> um, why is my butt not that big? I can hip thrust with good form 150 kilograms or something like we have to remember that it's sometimes just body fat distribution like some people just hold a lot more body fat on their butt or like you see someone just leg pressing the sled and you're like i don't get it her quads are triple the size of mine but it's like well she probably just has a lot of body fat on her quads so i think truth be told it's all or revealed genetics. in uh or genetics yeah <laughs> some people can leg press the sled and build just enormous quads mm. but I think it's just all revealed in this sport. When you achieve the conditioning required, you get shredded to the bone and you're up on stage because you actually see, okay, how much muscle mass do they actually have? Yeah. Mm. It's always the true revealer. It sure is.
especially if they're not lifting very much and then they go through a prep like they're already not lifting much and then they lose strength in prep like where are they at then mm, yeah it's uh it's a sticky situation to be i can imagine mm. anyway i think that was a pretty good life update yeah, not. Uh, I don't foresee too much happening in on my end, other than just getting bigger over the next <laughs> year and a half. So, Me hopefully, too. I think one of the biggest accomplishments of my off season so far is not not being set back by any injuries. So, mm. touch wood that that continues to go well. And yeah, yeah, bring on twenty twenty three, boy! Mm. In in another universe, we would have actually been competing next year, which is pretty wild. But. Oh, I'm just so excited to have at least a whole nother year of growth under my belt because I feel like Jack, like, I've been at this now for going on eight years, like eight years of being heavily invested in my health and my fitness, seven years of purely resistance training. But I feel like it's only now in 2022 that I'm somewhat starting to arrive. Like I can actually see all of that compound interest really coming to light. And it's just such a freaking feeling, you know, I'm like, wow, like it was actually worth it. <laughs> Cause like anyone who knows you and I knows that like, you know, this is just what we do. We live and breathe this. Like we don't go out on benders. We don't miss beats, but it's just taken its sweet ass time. Just the patience, right. Of all of those years going on almost a decade now of training. We're like now we're really as natural competitors able to see our physiques and we're like, holy crap, you know, like I'm actually starting to really see the results. <laughs> mm. And we're still in the early phases still. Yeah, which is just super duper exciting. But I think that's something that was just became really apparent to me during this past dieting phase as my physique just continued to reveal itself. It's like, wow, like I'm so glad that I just have been going literally nonstop since 2015 at this because um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so worth it. But I, it also just falls back on as, it, as cheesy as it may sound, you need to love the process. You need to love the day in, the day out. You need to love the routines. You just need to love just that 0.01% of getting better every single day. And you need to love your training and just ultimately the way that a bodybuilding lifestyle makes you feel. And then actually seeing that reflected in your physique, that's just like the cherry on top, even if it is eight years later. Yeah, it's a bit of a long-winded game if you you're doing it for eight years and don't enjoy it so. mm, yeah but it also goes to show that good things they do take time it's not gonna happen in eight days or eight weeks or even eight months but um yeah just fall in love with this sort of lifestyle and keep at it for a number of years and then you probably will arrive in a position where you're like flips yeah you know i actually look the part yeah i mean looking the part is just the uh cherry on top yeah it is but um it is a delicious tasting cherry <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think that's a pretty good way to uh cap off this episode but one final thing jack i want to know we're still in the improvement season we still got a good long while what's something that you want to improve this week so tomorrow i'm planning to do 190 for my stiff leg deadlift so i want to try and get that for at least six reps so mm. that's something that i want to improve on Mm. And you said something interesting this morning on our morning walk about how the first rep is always the hardest. Yeah, it's probably the second hardest to be fair. The, the hardest rep would probably be the final rep. Mm. But I think I find from pulling from the ground because especially if you're using a deadlift bar, like it, it bends a lot more than a stiff bar. So typically you have to 
the the first rep off is the hardest because you have to kind of um, you start from a non-bended position whereas in subsequent reps the bar already has some bends so the weights touch the ground mm. earlier so to speak so yeah okay well there you, you changed your mind second hardest rep because mm. <laughs> i was gonna say if that's the hardest rep then you get through that first rep it would be a huge confidence then you would boost, never stop but... if it's the hardest rep <laughs> that is true <laughs> she just never ends just stiff leg for days mm. for weeks and months and years <laughs> where's jack <laughs> that guy just stiff legs for a living <laughs> your hamstrings look like it <laughs> mm. i think you would start to atrophy at a certain point yeah i think that at some point your grip would give <laughs> what about you okay what, what do i want to improve this week i'll say a lift as well uh this past week i actually got a lifetime pb on my smith machine lunges even despite being in a dieting phase i got two sets of eight with 92.5 and it felt really good and uh now that i am reversing like i've ever since like ending my diet i've just upped my calories about about 600 so i'm sitting around like 2100 calories right now got more fuel in the tank, you know, more glycogen in these quads. So this coming week, I just want to load up 95 kilograms and just go for it, get at least two by six. But I think that I'm definitely capable of that. And like a goal for me in 2023 was to lift a hundred kilograms for my Smith machine lunges for reps. I have a feeling that's going to happen pretty early 2023. So I'm going to have to set an even higher goal. Cause like, I'm, I'm right there, you know, like so I'm almost tempted, like, maybe I'll just sneakily, or I'll just get you to do it or something, but like, I'll just load up a hundred kilograms by accident and just do it. You know, like what, what could be the difference? Mm, yeah. An extra five kilos. An extra five kilos. But yeah, I don't know, but it's, it's going to happen very, very soon, but I'm going to feel like an absolute badass doing that because that's a, that's a movement I have literally been programming since like 2016 and I started off with like five kilograms either side of the bar. So now to be lifting almost a hundred, uh, feels pretty freaking wicked. Mm, I'm sure it does. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough movement, but I just, I'm in love with it. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for tuning into this episode. If you did enjoy it, please remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag myself, tag Jack, tag TBD, and we will catch you next week.